Welcome, everyone, to episode 32 of the Global Gamers Podcast. And this is going to be this the first episode in a fun little series we're, we're doing. Yeah, we are jumping two feet straight into the holiday spirit. And you should have said six feet, six feet under into the holiday spirit. Oh, yeah, that would have been better because uh, we're going <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be going hard in October with the spooky games, aren't we, Ed? Yeah, the plan is that we're going to try to fill the whole month with spooky, haunted, monstrous kind of games. Um, yep. There are five weeks, five Tuesdays in October this year, though, so that might be a little bit of a challenge, but we'll do our best. Um, we already have the next few lined up so that's exciting yeah and uh for the first one today i was thinking about that and i feel like the whodunit genre has seen a little bit of a renaissance the last couple of years i'm thinking of you know the movie knives out and then they had the sequel glass mm-hmm. onion i mean they're making quite a bit of of some of these agatha christie books lately like they had murder murder yeah. on the orient express now they've got I mean, what's the new one out now? Um, a haunt, a haunting, uh, a haunting in, Venice. in Venice. Yeah, yeah. So there was Death on the Nile. Yeah, which the production of that movie itself was haunted. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, that was just their commitment to the craft. I'm sure they were operating on multiple levels. It was perform. It was yeah. performance art. Yeah, everyone was involved. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So. For that reason, we thought it would be a good way to get things going with this theme to kind of go a little bit back in time to a game that came out eight years ago, mm-hmm. and that is Mysterium. Yeah. Um. So before we get into how to play Mysterium, you want to give us a little overview of what is Mysterium? Yeah, I would love to. So Mysterium is a a fun little game that... I don't so I this is a complete hypothesis. I don't know if this was the actual genesis of this game, but mm-hmm. I feel like part of it was someone was looking at all the Hasbro games on their shelves and said, "Can we make Clue fun?" <laughs> and I could see that. And they came up with this little brainchild of a game. And so Mysterium is um, a deduction game and a deduction with limited information, although, I mean, that's most deduction games. But what's interesting about it is that it's very visual forward and you're having to do a lot of this deduction without the benefit of like, I guess, like, you're, this isn't like a, a Sherlock Holmes type, we're going to like take it step by step and deduce it just by the, through the sheer power of logic. You, you're going to have to use your gut, you're going to have to use your intuition. It's kind of like Clue meets Code Names meets like a Rorschach test with the ink splotches, maybe. Um, yeah, it's kind of like I think the code names is is uh, the best comparison in my opinion. Yeah, it's like visual haunted code names. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. So, 
Mysterium, as Ed said, is eight years old, came out in 2015. Uh, it comes in at a 7.2 on BGG. And it is a game that is for two to seven players, a playing time that the board game, the box notes, is not 45 minutes, not 43 minutes or 44 minutes, but 42 minutes. And don't you go a minute over when you play this game. <laughs> yeah. Which is um, which is funny, but I mean, I kind of see where they get it because you've got the little like sand sand uh, timer thing. So it's like you, you can yeah, it, measure it, it is... down to a fairly like you could make number. an argument for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like, outlandish. you have a one minute you have a one minute timer. And so I guess like if you kind of assume that you use the timer a certain number of times per game. Yeah. It does make sense. You'd come out with that number, but really they could have rounded it up. Yeah. Especially with uh, the setup time for this game sometimes, which we can get into. Yeah, we can get into that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, play time of roughly 45 minutes. Uh, you know, what's funny. Oh yeah. Um, it's funny that we're doing this episode this week with this 42 minute time yeah. because Scythe, which we did last week, on the box says 115 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what is with some of these games just having these very oddly specific playtimes? I don't know. But anyway. But I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to pull this off or not, but how meta and next level commitment to our craft would it be if we could pull off a 42-minute Mysterium review in honor of that playtime? So goal, wow. Goals to shoot for anyway. Um, magic, magic can happen in the edit. Yeah, if need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, last few things about the like table setting for this game. Uh, not a very complex game, very light, uh, with a complexity rating weight of one point nine. So, this is definitely a family friendly game. It's in terms of its ranking, it's ranked around three fifty overall just outside the top 100 for thematic games and just inside the top 100 at 89 for family games. And so we've talked a little bit about the, you know, all the stats about it, but I haven't, we haven't really given a rundown of what you're doing in this game yet. And so the basic idea is that you are entering this haunted landscape that is inhabited by a restless ghost a restless ghost who was the unfortunate victim of a an unsolved murder and you and so one player is going to play as the ghost and try to let all of the other players know who it was that did them in so hence the comparison to clue you're trying to figure out a murder who done it but the catch is that you're doing this as a psychic trying to channel spectral visions from this restless ghost to point you in the direction of the culprit. So, uh, so I guess what I would say is, um, NCIS, this is not, this is, there's, (laughs) there is no forensics in this game at all. So do not go in expecting that. But what no, yeah. But what you do get is you get uh, 
you know, something that's honestly a little bit like Dixit, we can come back to some of these comparisons when we talk about comparison, game comparisons. But basically, um, you know, one player's playing as the ghost and giving you visual clues as to who committed the crime, where they did it, what weapon they used. And so the object of the game is for all of these other psychics that are, you know, crime-solving psychics as every good psychic is, um, are trying to solve this cold case and, uh, you know, let the community sleep peacefully again, knowing that the correct person is has been brought to justice. Yep. Yeah. Um, Do you want to give us a rundown yeah. on how gameplay works? Yeah, I mean, so the theme, pretty straightforward. I mean, if it worked in Clue, it works in this. Um, yeah. It ultimately boils down to who is the murderer, what room did they kill the ghost in, and what was the weapon of choice. Yep. Should be familiar. So what basically is going to happen is, as you mentioned, one person is the ghost, and they are kind of given the job of giving clues for the whole game. And everyone else are these fortune teller psychics who will receive clues. And each one of the fortune tellers in the game, so I don't know if we mentioned this, but you can play Mysterium with um, two to seven players. So everyone who's not the ghost is a fortune teller. And they will be assigned um, by the ghost in secret their own suspect who has their own murder object and murder location. And everybody who is not a ghost, who is not the ghost is on a team and they are all collectively trying to identify each of their respective suspects before the clock runs out of time. There's a clock that has seven hours on it. Cause I guess there's seven hours of darkness. Mm-hmm. So each, uh, each round is just, you know, kept track of on the clock. And if, um, everyone figures out their suspects before round seven. Great. Good job. And, um, yeah. And you move on to phase two. If even one person doesn't do that, everyone loses, ghosts included. Um, so as the ghost, what you're doing is you will randomly select a suspect, a location, and a murder object for each fortune teller in the game, and you will place them behind a screen, a haunted house screen that the game gives you so that you can keep track of who's who. Mm -hmm. And all the psychics will see on the table in front of them, all of the suspects, all of the rooms, all of the locations, but they don't know which one is theirs. Right. So then what the ghost is doing is every round in silence, no one's really uh, speaking in this game. Yeah. Um, the way the ghost communicates with the psychics to give them information is through giving them vision cards. And the vision cards are just like these very surrealist, abstract works of art mm-hmm. that will just have lots of different diverse objects and different colors and all sorts of things on them. Right. And basically as a psychic, you want to take the clues the ghost is giving you and try to match it to who you think your suspect is. So the ghost gets to decide how many clues to give each person. And then everyone, you know, we'll start, we'll start the, uh, the timer. And then everyone has a minute to make a decision by putting their um, little crystal ball token mm-hmm. on who they think their suspect is. You can use these um, 
little tokens with checks and X's on them to try and communicate among the psychics to kind of non-verbally suggest if you think the person next to you is making the right choice or not because everyone can see each other's clues. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you're really just running on visuals and intuition. And so that's it. You just do that until first everybody, well, you, you identify your, your culprit. Yeah. If you're correct, you move on to the location. If you're correct, you move on to the um, murder weapon. Yeah. And then based on how you perform in round one with your success rate and how well you um, guess whether your guess is correct or wrong or other people's guesses are correct or wrong, you'll kind of get, um, I forget what they call it, but you basically get like points on a tracker. And the further you get on the tracker, the more information you'll get in phase two. And phase two is that if everyone made it out of phase one alive. And, and the, yes, and, Getting out yeah. of phase one by correctly identifying their three pieces of information. Everyone. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then phase two is identifying which of these suspects is the actual one who did the crime. Mm-hmm. And the way that that's done is at that point, the ghost chooses only three vision cards. And one of them, the ghost must choose to be related to the culprit. One must be related to the location, one related to the object, but the people on the receiving end, the uh, psychics don't know which is which. Mm-hmm. And depending as well on how those psychics did in round one, they may get to see only one, two, or all three of those cards before voting right. on who they think the culprit is. And then majority vote determines the group selection and if you win if you if you're correct you win if you're wrong you lose yeah and um yeah and how how many of those you get to see before that moment of truth is determined by how far you are on that tracker is that right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's once you get past a certain point it'll show you on the tracker that you got to see two or three right um, so the, you want to do better on that tracker so that you get more information in the final round. Now, Ed, one follow-up question I wanted to ask is, you mentioned that the ghost is giving out these clues, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, these visual cards, like, how does that process work? Is is the ghost under any, like, constraints? Do they have any workarounds if they get into a tight spot? Yeah, so again, no verbal communication, but the ghost has a hand of seven Mm -hmm. and if you're playing like let's say playing a game where you have four psychics if and i am the ghost i have a hand of seven i can choose as many of those as i want to give to any one psychic Mm -hmm. and then once i give let's say i give psychic number one three clues then i will have four left in my hand i'll draw back up to seven and at that point i cannot give any more of those cards to the psychic i already gave clues to right because like they're they're done. You can't like be like, oh well, now I have this really cool card that would have been helpful. Too bad. You have to wait till next time. Right. Um, and you just do that until you get through all the psychics, and then you start the timer. If you're in a really tough situation, um, and as the ghost, and you have a bunch of um vision cards you don't think would be helpful or might mislead the psychics, the game gives you three different modes you can play with: easy, normal, and difficult, and it gives you these like crows that you can use as kind of like a mulligan. So just in a, in a normal difficulty game, the way it works is you have the three crows and you can discard a crow 
to discard as many um, cards from your hand at any time and draw back up to seven. Mm. So up to three times for the entire a dead game. deck, basically, or a dead hand. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then obviously, if you play a difficult version, the crows will be, um, you know, I think you can just eliminate them entirely and you just have to make the most of what you have. And if you play Ooh. the easy version, you get more use out of the crows. Oh, they, but it's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they like reset between rounds or something, which I think is too easy. Yeah, that's that's probably that's probably more if you're playing with kids. Yes, because it is the um, age range on this is ten and older. Oh yeah, and I mean not to jump ahead too much, but I really wish that I had this game as a kid. Yeah, I think this would have been a really fun. Um, totally complete game to like play as like a family game at that age completely agree yeah um so that's it for rules basically yeah one thing i i i think we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth but i do just want to say up front that one thing that annoys me about this game is the rule book oh and some well, of the some of the layout and the terminology for explaining the rules it is a little bit messy yeah so i would just suggest and this would get into tips for first time players yeah i would suggest maybe find just like watch a rules video instead for this one because good idea i this is not a reflection on the game itself but i think the rule book is one of the worst i've seen it's yeah it's it does seem needlessly convoluted sometimes yeah um, so yeah, you want to, you want to get into tips and strategies? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm not going to have as much to say for this part, for this game, just because yeah. it's, this isn't, this isn't like the cerebral, like deep strategy type of game that we often review. This is more just kind of like a fun, like I don't know. I see this as more like a fun, um, like, I don't quite want to say party game, although it kind of is kind of is seven. It kind of is. But like, it's, it's controlled. It's controlled. And it's like, it's, it is a party game to an extent, but it's not like, I feel like a lot of party games involve like trivia and guessing like facts and it's like yeah it's not or just a lot of like overt personality and like yelling at each other kind of stuff. And this isn't really that. This is more like no. I feel like this is a party game for introverts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, and I think like am I right that this may be the lightest game that we've reviewed? Um, and like least strategic yeah i don't know like i don't know like objectively on like the one to five scale on board game geek if that's the case but it's like one of the few that's under two i and i don't know if maybe something like azul or something is is in that category but oh yeah I don't but know, this, to this, me this azul is like way more strategic than this yeah yeah so that's not to say that there are no strategies for this game i think the best thing that I would say is just the things that I would generally say for any kind of so social deduction game that knowing, um, like knowing the players at the table, particularly the ghost, mm -hmm. 
um, is very helpful to like know how that person communicates and, and thinks yeah. and processes things, um, which obviously you can't control in game. It's, you, you know, that person really well, you don't, but um, yeah, but like part of the fun is even if, even if you think, you know, someone and at the end of the game, you're just, you're just thinking like, what did you do? Like, why, what were these clues you gave me? These were, horrendous and i have no i don't understand at all what you're getting that part of the fun is kind of having them then explain it to you yeah and then you either have that oh i see now moment or you just like nope still not seeing it yeah i (laughs) i I disagree yeah (laughs) um yeah yeah but yeah so i guess yeah that's that's honestly really all i have for strategy well and yeah well because i'm trying and well, because what you just said even seemed more about like the feel of the game than like strategy per se, unless I misunderstood. Yeah, you. no, it's not even strategy. It's just tips. Is just yeah. If you want to do well, it's better to play with people you know than strangers. Um, mm. Although at the same time, that could be a little bit of a handicap. And playing with strangers could be really fun in a different way. Yeah, it certainly um, could. And then my biggest tip is just what I said about the rule book. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think if I have anything to add beyond that. I think, I think like, I guess one tip I would have for, uh, you as the ghost, like this is this is a pretty obvious and pretty basic one, but like just kind of like if you're playing the ghost and you're the one trying to get people to guess, just pay attention mm-hmm. to what people are saying and what people are like debating back. Well, people people shouldn't be saying anything well yeah okay okay yeah i guess hmm yeah that's true in the is that in the rule book itself yeah that's why you have the little tokens to communicate right 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 yeah yeah that's right so, okay well i long I, way of saying retract, there really ain't much i retract my point then <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess the only thing beyond that is like you know there are there are going to be times where maybe one of the psychics falls further behind than the others and like you know if you're saving good cards use them on that person if it works because yeah you don't like like Ed said, everybody has to cross the finish line in order to have the best chance to guess at the end. If you have one person that only passed like the first stage or the second stage uh, when it gets time to the final guessing, uh, hurts your chances quite a lot. Yeah. And I mean, and on the psychics end of that as well, it means that you also have to be vigilant about what the other psychics at the table are doing because right. your fate is tied to theirs. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, I just want to very quickly just mention that there are two expansions for this game. Oh yeah. Um, I have both of them, but you would never notice it because <laughs> um, the expansions are. So one is called secrets and lies mm-hmm. and one is called hidden signs. Um, the hidden signs one it's literally just more cards like more of every type of cards characters locations objects 
visions. That's it. And then the secrets and lies is 90% also just more stuff, Mm -hmm. but it does come with an, like a kind of slightly different mode where instead of doing, um, the murder weapons for the third thing, there's a separate deck that you can use that I think it's like, um, supposed to be like the motive. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of gameplay, it doesn't really change anything. It's just, it's just a, even more abstract third card that you're guessing basically. Yeah. Or just, I mean, just like to kind of change up the, the visual element or the storytelling element of it ever so slightly. Yeah. But I mean, just to put it in perspective, both of the expansions, like neither one of them comes with a rule book. Yeah. That's to tell you, like they come with like a one sheet of paper that's double-sided and well, actually, it's not double sided. One side is just blank, and the other side, like, is mostly just visual fluff, right? And just saying what, like, what the components are. That's it. Yeah. Um, more interesting than the expansions is that there is a reimplementation of this game, a spinoff, Mysterium Park, yeah. that came out a few years ago, and it is circus themed, so it's like a haunted circus or a murder circus. And that's horrifying. Basically. Yeah. Basically it plays the exact same way, but it's just a little bit more streamlined. Yeah. Um, with this setup and it's more of a card game and it's just a little bit faster to set up, to play through and comes in a much smaller box. So yeah, um, I've played both. I don't know which one I prefer. Um, I think honestly, at this point, I may actually recommend Mysterium Park if you're interested because lower price point, smaller box. Yeah. Very similar experience. Yeah. The one but the one trade-off is only six players max for Mysterium Park. Yeah, and and there's a little bit um less detail in like uh-huh. the big screen for the ghost, the way the tokens work, the way that the second round works. It's just a slightly streamlined game, but yeah. you know, um, and I remember it was much easier to learn. <laughs> so yeah. make of that what you will, but they're basically the same game. It's just kind of, do you want the mini version or the original? Honestly, it's closer. The, it's closer to like Azul and Azul Mini mm-hmm. than it is to talking about like two separate games. You know, like this isn't Seven Wonders and Seven Wonders Duel or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Noted. Good cool. to know. Yeah. Um, so our next discussion question is. I think we're to best, best thing, worst thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I kind of, would it be odd if we started with worst thing this time, just because we already kind of touched on it and I just kind of want to get it out of the way? Uh, you know what? Why not? Go for it. You know, we're going to we're gonna go for the negative because it's all spooky and undead and all of that. Yeah. Works for um, me. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's the rule book and the setup. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of like random terminology that belongs in a game way more complex than this one that just makes it unnecessarily complicated in that rule book and some of the like some of the way the cards i mean like the cards there's like matching pairs like one for the ghost one for the psychics and they're all numbered and 
I mean, like, I, to be fair, I kind of wrongly shuffled them when I shouldn't have, which makes it a little bit harder to pull out the ones you need. Yeah. But, you know, it just, it just takes a little bit of time. And I know that that is one of the main criticisms of the game. And that's partially why Mystery and Park exists. Yeah. Is to kind of streamline all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, once you get through that, and once you get used to it, especially after you've played it once or twice, um, it's not a problem. The only other kind of problem with it is it then kind of means that it kind of pushes um, first-time players to always be a psychic when maybe they want to be the ghost, but it could be a little bit more difficult yeah. to be the ghost. Not because the ghost goal, um, gameplay is more difficult, but because the ghost has to do a bunch of setup. Right. Because the, because the that no one can really help you with a ton because it would give it away if one of the psychics yeah, helped with yeah. it exactly yeah yeah um that's it for me what about you I've got two things that come to mind the first one is I feel like playing this game two or three times is enough for me mm-hmm. I like. I I could see playing it two to three times in a night and having a fun time. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think after I had done it that, I think I would sleep perfectly soundly at night if I didn't play it for quite a while. Yeah. Um, It's, it's not a, it's not a bad game, but there's, uh, it's it's so simple and so streamlined that like even the first time or two I played it I was kind of like oh oh okay that's that that that's it it's it's done yeah it's a little bit of an anticlimax climax especially yeah, with um a little round two thing I kind of I kind of wish it was just round one and done maybe yeah, yeah yeah because honestly yeah well I could see both I could see two ways of it I suppose. But yeah, so that's the first thing that was my, the first thing where I was kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't know. The second thing I wanted to bring up here is, I don't know if this is marketed as a cooperative game per se. Like, Mm -hmm. there's certainly cooperative. It should be. Yeah, and it is to some extent, but like, I feel like that needs some expectation setting, especially given the rule that you noted about not being able to talk to others. It's like, this is mm-hmm. like an interaction light cooperative game. Like, I feel like everyone's kind of trying to solve their own individual puzzle. And like, you get some input from others, but it's, if you're looking for a cooperative game, that's like very heavy on the interactions. Um, like, say um i mean even betrayal this isn't that right well i mean that necessarily comes i think the biggest thing with that is that silence is necessary um for the game to work most of the time but it is definitely a cooperative game do do you think the silence is necessary what yes because what do you think would be lost if you had like a couple ghosts debating a clue. You mean a couple, a couple of psychics? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. Then you you're making it much easier because you're 
allowing people to verbally process information and get multiple perspectives on what something can mean. Yeah. Whereas you're breaking the relationship between the ghost and the individual who the ghost intends the clue to go to, because part of, part of your job as the ghost also is the clues that I like, if you and another player were trying to guess the, the same thing, there are times when I would give you different clues because of who. Yeah, you are. I suppose that's true. You know? So, and yeah. And um, I mean, I think you raise a good point because I guess in my mind, the silence is like to stop you from like externally processing and like giving the ghost insight into how you're thinking so that they can tailor their. Well, there there is that as well, because I mean, and, if, if everyone else is talking, the ghost is also. Well, and that, that and so that's going to influence that, what the ghost does. That next. part makes sense to me. Um. Yeah. yeah, that part makes sense to me more than the more than the other. But like, yeah, I guess this is just personal preference. I prefer cooperative games that are a bit heavier on the interactiveness. Right. I think we just prefer games that are heavier in general. <laughs> well, yes, that that too. But um, but like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with you that I would just say like so I have played it four times now, twice with you, twice not with you. I definitely had more fun the second time, and that's not because I was not playing with you. That's just because I think <laughs> I knew what I was doing yeah. that second time. Yeah. Um, and both times it was a three player game, so that also wasn't the issue. Also, again, I would say I would not ever recommend playing this with two people no um three is fine i think ideally you want the four plus yeah um yeah but i definitely had way more fun the second time it was funnier and there was a lot more like even though there isn't that verbal interaction in the way you think just the kind of the anguish the visible anguish and like the giggling and yeah the just like rocking back and forth stress trying to decide what to do and then discussing it after had way more payoff the second time but on the flip side of that it's like i i kind of you know they the expansions are a little bit disappointing for just giving you more cards but it is necessary because i think part of it is what we didn't mention is the game is really visually striking and interesting kind of like modern art was well it, um are, in that case are, are, we, are we starting to get into Beth kind of this game? is like a this is like a mixed point because what i was just going to say on that is like even with both expansions shuffled in and having played it only four times it still has i already started to see the same cards coming up and while they're still beautiful and interesting to look at um it just kind of felt too soon and it's kind of like diminishing returns on yeah you know the visual impact i understand you can't just have like infinite cards in a deck but i just guess i guess you kind of burned through it faster than you'd think based off of it being a pretty big box full of just cards basically yeah 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 but yeah we can we can get into the the goods the good sides now yeah what do you have honestly the my i think the best thing about this game is the elevator pitch Uh, Mm -hmm. just the idea of a game of clue but 
only visual clues. Um, that like I was interested immediately with that pitch, and like it's it's a fun game. I will admit, like after a few plays, I found it a little. I didn't like I said I didn't really wasn't itching to play it again, but like that mm-hmm. pitch certainly grabbed my attention and I thought it was a really interesting idea. Yeah. And I was glad that I saw it through to see how that was implemented. Yes. Um I I agree with that completely. I think specifically what I like the best is the way that the vision cards work as clues. Yeah. Is really interesting, very much in a code names kind of way. I I don't know if I prefer this over code names. I used to say yes, but again, I think it's diminishing returns. I think maybe code names has more staying power. Um because because definitely... it's more heavily interactive. You're like guessing things and getting yeah. immediate like agitated feedback from your team. Yeah, and it's less the the like the appeal of it is less tied to the visuals mm-hmm. that don't change over time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's still really fun for the same reasons that Codenames is fun. Um, so I'd say, yeah, that's that's probably the best thing for me. And also just the artwork in general, really nice stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, the artwork is yeah. terrific. Nope, no problems there. Um, cool. So do we want to get into final rating? Well... Before we get into final rating, the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick is comparison games. And yeah, this would be a good one for that. The and if you don't mind me going first, the the comparison that I would make is to Dixit. So mm-hmm. for those that are unfamiliar, Dixit is a guessing game that is also based on cards that feature surrealist artwork but in this case um somebody picks a prompt says what the prompt is and then they have one card that corresponds to that to what that is and then everyone else picks a card from their own hand that they think best embodies that and then they all get mixed up in the middle and laid out in a line and everyone's job is to try to pick what they think is the correct one and try to trick other people into picking theirs, thinking it's the real one. And then, you know, you get points for correctly guessing the the picture that the, that the person put down, the, um, you know, person whose turn it was to select each round. And then you also get points for the number of people that you fooled into picking yours that you put down as an imposter and it's a, it's a similar in the surrealist artwork and it's a more interactive version of that, that right. That has a little bit more in the way of it's kind of a, a hybrid between like a, like straight up guessing game, like, um, you know, a part party guessing game like just one and 
a game like Mysterium. It's like a. So I guess you prefer Dixit. I'm guessing. Yes, I would say so. Okay. I I mean, cool. I I don't think D- Dixit is as inventive, but I think it has more staying power. Yeah, that's fine. Um, my comparison, I'm not going to say much. It's just going to be code names. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what would be a better. Uh, I think between yeah. Dixit and code names, we have it covered, and I think code names, people are going to know how that plays. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to get too much into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So sounds good. Final rating. Final rating for me. I'm going to give this a. I'll give it a seven. Um, and that is mostly for the, the concept of it and the artwork. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I think it's a, I, I, I had a pretty good time playing it, but, um, I think, I mean, not to belabor the point, I'd be m- more inclined to like get something new to the board rather than revisit this one time and time again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with you on a seven. So I was, I was thinking of doing a 7.5, but the reason I'm going to say seven is I think that there are times when this game could be a 7.5 or even an eight experience. Um, But it's very situation dependent, very player dependent and also player count dependent. Yeah. And I think that most of the time when it's going to be a more fun experience or with higher player counts, not with two or three people, yes. which for me personally is I play most of my games with two or three people. Yes. Um. So, I mean, I, I got this game at a used game auction and got, you know, the whole bundle with um both expansions and everything thrown in for much cheaper than you'd pay to get to get it retail. Mm-hmm. Right. So for that reason, I'm like, you know, th- fine, this can stay in my collection um, for the foreseeable future. And there are not many games, especially that I own that would be fun to play at higher player counts or can even be played at higher player counts. So this definitely fills that niche. And I feel like the odd occasion when that happens is probably going to be the time that this game comes out. And those occasions will be enough to satisfy my desire to play Mysterium for a while. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's an overall seven and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Um, and, it, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's different from the normal games that I own and like to play. So it's filling a niche. So credit for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Is it the kind of game that, I don't know, maybe two or three years from now, I'm like, you know what? I could probably sell that. Maybe we'll see, but it's not a bad game. Um, it just may not be the perfect fit for the type of games that I like to play. And that's why I said earlier that I, I think that if I had this game, like growing up, I would probably just have so many amazing nostalgic memories and stories about it. And I think that it was the greatest thing on earth. Yeah. Um, But you know, so I don't know, maybe it's the kind of thing that you save for like, one day when like if you have kids that it'd be fun to play or like you can give it as a gift to you know kids that you know um yeah or to families that you know like parents for sure i could also say even like 
I could see school classrooms having a great time with this. Yes. Um, I yeah. could see that. So it def- it definitely has its niche and it's a really good game if it finds the right group. Yeah. 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 And and like if you haven't tried it, I think you know, maybe don't run out and buy it unless you get a great mm-hmm. deal on it at a local game shop like I did. But um yeah. if you can like play it in a like board game cafe, definitely give it a whirl. Um, yeah, and it's pretty popular, and it's been around a long time. Yeah. So a lot of them probably have um, yeah sample copies you can use and check out. Yeah, definitely. So I guess moment of truth, Ed, are you planning on keeping this one around, or are you going to sell it? Do you think? I think I'll keep it around for a while. Yeah. Um, especially because I didn't pay full price for it. Sure. And got the whole bundle. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there are. To be honest, there are better games that I have gotten rid of mm-hmm. in the past. Um, yeah. However, usually, usually the reasons I got rid of those was because they were redundant in my collection. I preferred something else. This doesn't fall into that category. I mean, you, I do own code names, but you're pretty diligent with yeah. with your calling of your game shelf. Much more diligent yeah, I, than me, I would say. We should do. We should do a challenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, all right, Ryan, you have to get rid of five games. Yeah, let's go through your whole shelf, and yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> I would, I would be down for that. I would be um, down for that. Well, I'm saying that now. The when rubber meets the road, I very well may not be down for that. Drag, <laughs> drag the boxes out of your hands, yeah. kicking and screaming. Yeah, um, yeah, I think, but maybe not. <laughs> But that's a discussion for another time. Um, yep. So that wraps up Mysterium, mm-hmm. our first game of Haunted October. And indeed, yep, we'll keep it coming. It's going to be a lot of haunted houses, honestly. So we might have to try to find ways to break that up, um, yeah. <laughs> pace it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. And there are some some games coming down the pipeline that. Um. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about, and that I do actually have a good bit of nostalgia. Yeah. For. Yeah, definitely. Um. Same here. And. Yeah, and then I mean, once Oct- I mean, this is kind of getting ahead, but a little bit of housekeeping. Just once October is done, it's amazing how little time, in terms of you know episode count, we have left in 2023. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're probably gonna fill a good chunk of that with some end of year discussion content so yeah yeah we're it's gonna have to get a little bit meticulous about what are the things that we really want to shove in before before the new year rings in so yeah we're gonna have to start planning that out yeah we're gonna have to be very discerning indeed but the good well the good thing is there's always 2024 right yeah we and uh so we hope <laughs> yeah yeah looking forward to uh to that as well it's always fun with the calendar you're turning and uh thinking about what new games are on the horizon yeah and i mean i know it's you know beginning of october we still have time and before we get all you know review sappy and nostalgic and all that but i i would just say that one thing that uh let's just say because we're starting a new month um one thing i would just point out is that um we were having a little discussion i was telling you i was looking through the um Mm -hmm 
the insights of our subscriber growth and the number of streams per episode. And it has been growing basically every month by month. Um, Yeah. And yeah, like this past week in particular was uh, particularly strong. So thank you to everybody who has uh, contributed to that. And we really appreciate the listens. Hope that, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I was, I also, I didn't mention this to you yet, but I was looking also at the, we can also look at um, which countries people are streaming from. Yeah, that's that always fun. also grown. That's always Yeah, fun. I mean, who's to say how many of those may be VPNs, but um, yeah, it's a pretty long and diverse list. Yeah. So, and a lot of them, they make sense which countries would be the ones that have a lot of um, people who are interested in this kind of content no and doubt. this hobby no doubt um yeah so it's very very interesting yeah cool well we are excited to see what other spooky exploits we'll get up to in our board gaming um obsession this month and hope that you will continue to follow along 